So we're going to continue tonight with um, the Infinity War, and I started last week, and I want to just take, I want to just minister a little bit before we come to have communion tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to get ready to look at what, where we're at in the Bible. But this morning I spoke about how it is all in the sixes. Would you look at somebody and tell them it's all in the sixes? All right, and so I want to just pick up from where I left off this morning. We spoke about how that in this movie, Infinity War, who, by the way, has seen that movie? Anybody seen that movie? Have you seen Infinity? Who's seen Infinity War? Anybody seen Infinity War? Okay. Essentially, what happens is basically it is really about uh, good and evil, about light and darkness, and there's this evil guy by the name of Thanos, who is an evil villain. There's a picture of him. And he looks big like that because actually when he was born, he was born with some kind of a deformity that made him look like bigger than what he really was. And so um, he basically is out to destroy the world and he's got like a twisted uh, philosophy. And so he's really a type, a picture of Satan, right? So that's where we're bringing this in. And his aim is to try and find these six infinity stones and as he finds these stones, he gets more and more power, and he's trying to overrule the world, overpower the world. And then that's when all of these superheroes gather together, and they come together to try and defeat the evil, wicked Thanos. Amen. And so I've got these figurines up here, and the reason why there's no faces in them is because actually you and I are God's superhero. Would you look at somebody and tell them, you are God's superhero? All right. And I said this morning how it's quite an amazing thing because when you, when you, there's a guy by the name of Tony Stark, but when Tony Stark steps into Iron Man, into this suit, he, he has tremendous superpower. And then there's the guy who's the Hulk. We don't have the Hulk up here, but his name is Bruce Banning. And when he gets really angry, he turns into the Hulk. All right. And then you have, who else did we have? We had uh, this dude here, I forget what his name is, somebody, Chris Rogers or something. And when, what's his name? Yeah, but, but before he's Captain America? Chris Rogers. Steve Rogers, like I said, Steve Rogers. But when he puts on that outfit, he becomes Captain America. And then you've got this guy here from that place called Wakanda. His name is Chala, but when Chala steps into that suit, he becomes the Black Panther, amen? And so these are just ordinary people that when they step into these different suits, take on superpowers. But you and I are ordinary people, but when we step into Christ, when we step into our anointing, when we step into our, our God-given abilities, we become formidable people that the enemy cannot overcome. Can you say amen? So I spoke this morning about how it's all in the sixes. This movie's all about Thanos trying to get six stones. And we spoke about this morning how the number six actually is the number of man. And it's the number of man that is against God. And 666, which is the Antichrist, is just man trying to, trying to better himself. But the best it can be is another six. And with all his might, with all his wisdom, the best he can be is another six. And he gathers up all his knowledge and all of his strength and all of his might. And the best that he can be is a six, all right? So without God, the best that you will ever be is a six. And without God, we are limited and quantified. 
But with God, we become a number seven. Hallelujah. And with God, we become unlimited and unquantified, undefined. In other words, with God, all things are possible. Can you say amen? amen. So what I want to look at tonight is uh, in the book of Nehemiah. If you can follow me with this. And I want to just pick it up from here because it's interesting that it's all in the sixes. We saw this morning how six times they told Jesus that he had a devil. They told it six times recorded where they actually said to Jesus, you actually have a demon spirit. What you do, you do by the power of Beelzebub. You see, and when man is confined to the number six, he cannot understand the supernatural realm. And I said this morning, thank God that we are in a house of prayer for all nations where we were raised up with signs, wonders, and miracles. If you think about our founder, Dr. Fred Roberts, his father and family came to the Lord through, uh, was it Branham? It was John G. Lake? Uh, John G. Lake. And then when you think about Sister Nell and her family was Smith Wigglesworth. And so these are people that flowed in the miraculous. That is our heritage. We are a house that believes in miracles. Can you say amen? amen. But if you stay a six, you, the best that you will ever get is, is your, your finite wisdom, your limited resources. Come on, I need more than just limited resources. I need more than just finite uh, wisdom. I need, I need a wisdom that can explain the unexplainable. Can you say amen? So I want us to look at Nehemiah. And if you're taking some notes down, this is good because... When we look at Nehemiah, Nehemiah was actually just an ordinary person. He was the king's cupbearer. And he was tasked with the burden of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. How many of you remember that? Just before the book of Nehemiah is the book of Ezra. Ezra was a priest that was tasked with rebuilding the temple. But Nehemiah was just an ordinary layman who was tasked with rebuilding the walls of the city. And it's quite something because uh, he is just an ordinary cupbearer, but he has a burden for the city. And actually in that, we can see that every one of us has a part to play in the city. You are saved and you are in this church. Why? Because you have a role and a part to play in Durban to be the salt and the light. Hallelujah. God placed you and I in the city of Durban. We could have been in Timbuktu. We could have been in Hong Kong. We could have been in uh, 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 Tasmania, speaking Tasmanian. I don't know if there is a Tasmanian language. But we could have been anywhere in this whole wide world. But God put us in Durban, South Africa, because we have a story to tell people. What's the story, Pastor, of how I was blind, but now I can see? And how I was once lost, but now I'm found through Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? So Nehemiah was just an ordinary man. Uh, and he was fulfilling his God-given mandate and purpose. He was called and anointed to do to rebuild the walls. And he was set apart to do something great for God. Not something average, something mediocre, something great for God. Like I said tonight, many of us are just happy to settle for mediocre. We're just happy to chug along in life. But I'm here to tell you tonight that God has purposed you for something greater. Would you look at somebody and tell them you've been purposed for something greater? So when the villain, Thanos, can you get Thanos up again? He's quite a, I mean, he's got big arms. Some of us would like to have arms like that. 
you know, big neck. But, but so Thanos, uh, the guys that come against Thanos are the superheroes, Thor, Iron Man, Hulk, and all of them are tasked to do something great. What was it? It was to defeat the evil, twisted, and demented, and demented, de demented villain Thanos. And when you look at this movie, it actually begins with all of these superheroes living their own lives. And they, they have a little bit of, they're not getting on with this guy, and he's not getting on with that guy. And when they try and take on the huge Thanos by themselves, they soon realize that they cannot overpower this wicked villain all by themselves. And then they learn that they've got to work together to defeat the wicked Thanos. Does that sound like church? Does that sound like the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is not about individualism. Would you look at somebody and tell them two is better than one? I'm not talking about marriage this time. I'm not talking about marriage this time. I'm talking about us partnering together and working together that we're bone of each other's bones and flesh of each other's flesh. We are all part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So there's no such thing as individualism. The kingdom of God is not about a single person becoming a superstar. I think you would admit that we've had a lot of superstars in the kingdom that have tragically become disasters. I don't want to be a star and then end up being a disaster. Why? Because God knows the tendency of the human nature. Something great happens. People get healed. Thousands come to the Lord. And people get delivered. People start prospering. And then we think, oh, it's because of the preacher. What a wonderful preacher I am. What a great evangelist. And there's no other evangelist like me. Oh, how great thou art. We're not singing about God. We're singing about ourselves. And what a great prophet I am. Look at how accurate the word of knowledge. I don't care how accurate the word of knowledge comes, brother. We are here together. There's no such thing as individualism in the body of Christ. You might call out the person's name, their dress, even the dog's name and the canary's name. That doesn't mean anything. If you are not part of the church, part of the kingdom, and we are working together, can you say amen? amen. And everything that we do is to lift up the name of Jesus. It's all about Him. He gets the glory. He gets the honor. He gets the attention. Amen. But how many of you know it's going to take all of us working together? And in this movie, they have lots of differences and disagreements, and it's how it is in life. How many of you figured that out? You figured that out? You wish it wasn't like that, but it's like that. It's kind of because we are all different. And it really is what makes life spicy, what we call spicy living. It makes doing life together an adventure. Amen. Hallelujah. So we are all work in progress. Amen. And it always helps us to remind each other, ourselves, that we're just humans, but that we have to value one another. We have to esteem one another. That's what the early church did. They prayed for one another. They covered one another. And uh, they had no right to mistreat one another. And, and so that's an important thing. We might have disagreements. We, might, we will have differences. Of course we will. But we have to hold on to each other. Why? Because it's for the sake of something that is greater. Would you look at somebody and tell them, I'm going to hold on to you. And I pray. And I pray that you will hold on to me. Why? For the sake of something greater. Pastor, what are you talking about the greater? The greater is that souls are going to be saved. 
The greater is that the kingdom is advancing. The greater thing is that people are being liberated, that marriages are being healed and restored. That is the greater. And for the greater, we lay aside our differences. Hallelujah. Would you look at somebody and tell them, you look different, you look unusual, but for the sake of the greater, but for the sake of the greater, I'm going to lay aside my differences. Hallelujah. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom. It's about souls. We are a light shining in a dark place. If we are all sixes and sevens, our light gets darker and darker. It gets less and less intense. You would need a microscope to find that light. No, we don't need a microscope to find the light. If you are light, light will shine in darkness. And so we've got to lay aside our disagreements and our differences for what? For the greater cause. Can you say amen? Amen. Do you, listen, if we don't do that, we're going to miss out. There's a guy in the Bible who missed out on something great. His name is Moses. Anybody ever heard of Moses? He was the guy that had this burning bush experience. I mean, God talks to him from out of a bush. He looks to see what is this bush, how is this bush burning, and yet not consumed. And if you think about what he had just done in Egypt, you know, 40 years now, he's in the backside of the desert. God is healing him, dealing with him, restoring him, all kinds of stuff. Out of that burning bush, God speaks and says, Moses, I've chosen you for something that is greater. I've chosen you for something that is special. I have separated you. I know what you did in the past, but the blood of Jesus covers that. He didn't say that, but I'm just saying that to you. But I've got something greater for you to do. Hallelujah. And Moses began to stammer and all kinds of stuff. And then he doubted God, and God put through all of that. I mean, he, you know, he put up with all of that. But eventually, he got to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. What was the promise? What was the greater? That one day, you will walk. Your feet will walk upon a land that flows with milk and honey. You remember that? That was the greater that God had for them, to take them out of the lesser, which was in the place of bondage, under the taskmaster of Pharaoh, who's a type of Thanos, who's a type of Satan, to bring them into a place of liberty and freedom where they could experience the milk and the honey, the, the abundance of God, the intimacy of God, the fellowship of God. But what did Moses do? He got angry with the Israelites, and probably rightly so. And in his anger, he struck the rock once or twice. And God says, no, my boy, you, you, you shouldn't have done it twice. One is my number. I am God Almighty. One is the number of sovereignty. When you strike it two times, you are bringing division because two is the first number that is divisible amongst itself or into itself. And two means there's another. There's something different. And so because of that, the closest that Moses got to see the land of Canaan was from Mount Nebo. He stood up on Mount Nebo and looked, and there yonder, yonder, yonder is the promise. Yonder, I see the city of palms. I see the land that flows with milk and honey, but I will never get to walk in that land because I missed out on the greater. Bump your neighbor and tell them, don't miss out on the greater. Come on, look at somebody right now and tell them, don't miss out on the greater. You might have a difference. You might have an opinion about something, but we are all together in the body of Christ. It's going to take all of us. Hallelujah. Amen.
to do what God has called us to do. It would be like the Old Testament priest. I often think about this, and I often preach about it, but I often think about it, how that they lingered for 360, how many days is there in a year? 365. 364 days in a year. They labored and did all kinds of stuff for the one day that was on the Day of Atonement when the high priest went beyond the veil to experience and encounter the Shekinah presence of God. And it would be like laboring 364 or 63 days, and then on the 364th day, you do something wrong so that on the Day of Atonement, God says, mm -mm, Icona, I'm not available today. You did something wrong. You're going to miss out. You'll have to wait for next year. Imagine like, oh. 306, now we've got to get back to January, February, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. And you get to whenever the Day of Atonement is, and again you miss out on what God has for you. I mean, it's, 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 and, some, and sometimes that's what happens, all right? But Nehemiah, going back to Nehemiah, Nehemiah was purposed to do something great for God. And I keep hearing the sound of my spirit for God wanting to say to you, God has purposed you to do something great for Him. That's why this Ford 2018 is all about getting into the bigger, better, and greater. We have, you have, an opportunity to do something great for God. Would you lift your hands right now? Come on. I feel the Spirit of God in this place. Wayne, you better just come and stay with me a little bit. But I feel the Spirit of God in this place. I want you to close your eyes and say, Lord, you have the opportunity through my life to do something great for you. And I give you my heart. I give you my mind, my emotions, my everything. I lay aside every difference for the sake of the greater, for the sake of the bigger, for the sake of the better. And I purpose, I am intentional. I am intentional tonight to move into the greater that you have for me and my family in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. How many of you felt that tonight? I felt that in my spirit, man. We have the opportunity to do something great. And let me talk about the building, something we have the opportunity. Nehemiah was going to rebuild the walls. We have the opportunity of rebuilding this dome. A place of refuge, a place of, of safety, a place where people are actually born again by the Spirit of God. These stones, these stones, do you know where they come from? Huh? Huh? From the dome. We have put them up here as a memorial. If these stones could speak, I wonder what they would say. Souls got saved under this ministry. People were slain by the power of the Holy Ghost under these stones. People were anointed. People were sent out, commissioned. People, the, 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 the prophet of the Lord prophesied under these stones. The word of the Lord came under these stones. People were healed under these stones. If these stones could cry it, I wonder what they would speak. We have the opportunity of rebuilding the dome. Hallelujah. But here's what I want to get to. Anytime you purpose to do something great for God, you will 
face opposition. Nehemiah faced opposition. If you, if you want to just live mediocre, come to church, clap a little bit, lift up hands a little bit, don't, 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 don't exert yourself too much. You won't come under any opposition. But the moment you purpose to do something great, something significant for God and the kingdom, you better, you better put your Iron Man suit on. You better put your Black Panther suit on. You better put whatever suit it is that you have. Because you're going to face some opposition. Nehemiah faced some opposition. Can I tell you, if you are intentional about building a great marriage, you're going to get some slack. You're going to get opposition. The devil's not going to be, yay, I'm so glad for them. They're attending a marriage conference to better their marriage. Isn't it wonderful? We're so happy for these Christians. You're going to face some opposition. If you are intentional and purposed about serving God and going for God, you'll come under attack. You'll come under attack. If you purpose to live by faith, preach by faith, sing by faith, do everything by faith, you're going to come under attack. Hallelujah. I remember the first sermon I preached on faith. I preached my heart out on faith. And, 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 and it was one of those sermons that it took everything out of me. That, went, that uh, uh, afternoon, I went to draw money from the ATM. My, my wallet was in my car. When I got to the car, the wallet was gone. And I heard the devil laughing at me. Oh, yeah. So how are you going to faith it now? How, are you going to faith it now? How are you going to faith it now? And I knew right there and then that what I just preached, the devil was challenging me. He will challenge you on your belief, what you hold on to, what you believe. If you are going to be successful in this life and build a legacy that you will pass on to your children's children, 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 you will come under attack. If you are intentional about winning the lost at any cost and being a light shining in a dark place, you're going to come under attack. In fact, opposition just means that you're doing something that the devil hates. And when it comes to Nehemiah, six times, because six is the number of man, the number of enmity towards God. It is man without Christ. Man at his very best will just be a six. And I don't care where you studied. I don't care how many, whatever you got. The best you will ever be is a number six. But with God, you become a number seven, and all things are possible then. Hallelujah. Praise God. Nehemiah faced opposition from Samballat and Tobiah. Do you know that we have modern days, modern day Samballats and Tobias? Jesus had a Judas, and we have modern day Judases as well. If Jesus had a Judas, you think you're not going to have a Judas in your workplace? You think you're not going to have a Judas? In your family, you think you're not going to have a Judas? Jesus had a Judas. There was an Absalom as well who was not a nice guy. There are some modern-day Absaloms as well. Listen to what Paul writes about a certain individual in the, in the church. This is what he said in 2 Timothy 4 and 14. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. And then he goes on in verse 4, 15 to warn Timothy. He says, now, Timothy, you also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. Do you know that there are some Alexander coppersmiths still alive and well that are opposing the church? Opposition will come. If you purpose to do something great for God, 
hear me, whoever you are, you will face some certain opposition. But that's okay. I want to deal with the first opposition, then I want you to send those cards down to the aisle. And we're going to put these cards into these stones. And these stones literally speak of memorials. These are memorial stones. Not only are they, these are not stones. Look how strong I am. Oops. So these are just polystyrene blocks. But these are real stones, all right? But you know what? In Genesis 28, let me tell you about the importance of stones and why Infinity War, why we decided to talk about that. Because Infinity War is about six stones. Thanos wants to get the six stones. Do you know that actually in the book of Genesis, the Garden of Eden was covered with stones, all kinds of precious stones. Then you get to the Old Testament priest, and he had one stone on his right shoulder with six names, and another stone on his other shoulder with six names, which were the 12 tribes of Israel. And then on the front on his ephod, there's the picture there, he had 12 stones. So six is half of 12. 12 is an apostolic number. It is the government of God. See, Thanos has only got half the picture. The devil has only, he always gets half the story. It's like when people, you, yeah, you got half the story, man. You're picking up stompies here. Where do they get that? From the Thanos movie, because he's only got six stones. You're picking up half the story. Thanos, you should have had 12 stones. Actually, Pastor Danny told me this morning that originally Lucifer, is it in Isaiah or, is, or Ezekiel? Ezekiel 28, he's got nine stones. So he's actually three more than Thanos. He's doing, he's doing better than Thanos. But the devil originally had nine stones. He was the cherubim that was in the garden, anointed cherub. And there was timbrels and pipes and all kinds. Of, he, was, he was the chief musician of heaven. That's why music is so important. The, the first place where there is opposition and attack in a church, you will find it in the music department because that is close to where the devil is at. But Lucifer had nine stones. In the Old Testament, the priest had one on the shoulder, one on that shoulder. Why on the shoulders? Because it is the responsibility of you and I to pray for these names, to pray for one another. It is our responsibility to disciple one another. Shoulders speak of, uh, I'm shouldering, I got, I, got, I, got, I, got, I got broad shoulders. What is it? Support. Huh? It's to shoulder responsibility. I'm praying for you and you're praying for me. And we are discipling one another in the kingdom of God. And then 12 here in the front. What is in the front? The heart is in the front. So in other words, it was names that we bring before God. These names are dear to God, dear to us. And that shows us that people matter to God. But also that we're praying for the heart of these people to be changed. Hallelujah. Then when you get into the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, it tells us that in the New Jerusalem, there is this holy city that comes down, which is actually a picture of the church. But it's interesting that it has 12 foundations. And these 12 foundations are actually 12 stones again. So Infinity War and all about the stones is actually, I don't know if they got it from the Bible. It's very close to the Bible. That's why we're tying all this up with the Bible. 
stones are very important. Not only are, is, is that the case, but do you know that you and I are regarded as living stones? 1 Peter 2 and 4. Can you get that scripture up for me? 1 Peter 2 and 4 tells us that we come to him as a living stone. You're not a dead stone. Do you remember in Exodus when Joseph died, the people of Israel were there, and what were they doing for Pharaoh? They were making what? Making bricks. Bricks. You see, bricks are all the same. Bricks are cloned. We're not cloned. We're all individual. God, God never cloned us. Cults clone. We've got to look the same. We have these badges and we all look the same. That's not the kingdom of God. God made us individuals. We have variety. We have color. We have character. We have personalities. So in Exodus, Pharaoh, which is a system of the world, is making them make bricks. You are not a brick. Would you look at somebody and tell them you're not a brick? What does that mean? I don't look like you. You don't look like me. There is only one of a kind of me. Thank God. I hear somebody saying, thank God. Jesus, only one of you. Uh, two of you would have been too much. But there's one of a kind. When God made you, he broke the mold. Hallelujah. So in Peter, it says 1 Peter 2, 4, that come to him as living stones, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so tonight, what I asked you to do is to get these cards, and I want you to write people's names that you're trusting God for salvation. We know that it is the will of God for men and women to be saved. The Bible tells us in, in the in the in the epistle of Timothy, I think it's 1 Timothy, is it 1 Timothy, where it's uh, pray for all men, supplications for kings, uh, because it is the will of God that all come to the knowledge of Christ. I think it's 1 Timothy 3 or 2 Timothy 3. Huh? 1 Timothy chapter 2, like I said, all right? 1 Timothy chapter 2. What verse is it? One, verse 1 to verse 8. There's also a scripture, I think, in 2 Peter chapter 3, where it talks about that the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. But uh, 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 what a thousand years is like a day and what, what, what. And it says there that, uh, can, can we get 2 Peter chapter 3? And I think it's around about verse 6, 7, somewhere around there, where the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Have you got that scripture? One Peter, Second Peter, verse nine. Second Peter three and verse nine. Second Peter three, verse nine. Let's look at this. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. That's how it begins, I think. <clears throat> As some count slackness, but as long as we not willing. Here's the part: not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's the will of God for every person to be born again. What was that other one? One Timothy chapter two. Verses 1, 1 to verse 8 also talks about that it's, the, it's God's desire that every person come to the knowledge of Christ. 
John 3.16 says, for, this, uh, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever should believe in Him should not perish but come to know everlasting life. Amen? So it is the will of God for everyone to be saved. In Genesis 28, when Jacob has that encounter with God, he dreams and sees the ladder of God coming down and God begins to respond and open. What does Jacob do? He builds an altar. He builds an altar and says, God, this is a memorial site because you spoke. I didn't even know you were in this place. And you spoke and I saw the angels of God ascending and descending. And God began to promise him what I promised uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, it's going to happen to you, Jacob. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you great. I'm going to provide for you. There's going to be bread. There's going to be food. I'm going to take good care of you. Amen. And so I want us tonight to pass those cards to the ends of the aisle. And then can I get some of the ashes, the elders, and maybe whatever. And let's put all of those cards in these rocks. Put them in there. Put them in there. Let's put them in there. And I want us, and I, we can gather some of the pastors and elders to come to the front. And I want us to begin to pray for every name that is written in there. Salvation. Why are we doing this? Because like I said this morning, a woman is pregnant for nine months, right? After nine months, what happens? Huh? The baby is born. So we can conceive somebody in our spiritual wombs and pray for them. But then after a while, we need to see the birth of that person. It's our right to see somebody born again. Don't wait a thousand years. You're going to wait forever and ever and ever. Like I said this morning, when I was praying for my dad, I, I kept coming in and saying, oh God, save my dad, save my dad. Day in and day out, asking the Lord for my dad's salvation. One, one day the Lord said, when are you going to stop asking me? And when are you going to start thanking me? That was like a revelation to me. Three weeks later, after me thanking God, every time I saw my dad saved, I saw him with his hands uplifted, I began to dance in my room, rejoice. Every time I came in to pray for my dad, I wouldn't say, oh God, please save my dad. I saw him saved. He wasn't saved yet, because I was talking to my mom. They were living in Secunda. He wasn't saved yet, but every time I prayed, I saw him saved. Come guys, put them in the rocks. You can come in. And I saw him saved. Three weeks later, he got saved. Amen. So I believe that we can have the faith to see the salvation of our beloved ones, whoever it is, if it's your children, your spouses. And then can we have some of the elders and leaders? Come on, guys, come up, don't be afraid. And we're gonna begin to pray. You out there can stretch your hands out towards these names, believing God that every one of these are gonna be saved as we put them into these uh, uh, heaps of memorial, amen, stones, Names written on the stone. That's what we're doing. Physically, it would be impossible to write names on the stones. I wish we could have. But like the old priest, we're doing a type of having the names written on the stones. Are you with me? Is everybody with me? You understand what we're doing? All right. So we're just doing this as an illustration, all right? But it's basically us just reaching out and extending our faith. Come on, let's begin to pray right now. Stretch your hands out. Let's begin to pray. Come on, let's begin to pray. Pastor Kwanda, I want you to pray. Pray for these names. Father, tonight, Lord, we come before you. No, any other name but the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus. You said in your word in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, Lord, 
that first of all then I urge that supplica supplications, prayers, thanksgiving be made for all people, my God. Your word does not say for some people, my God, but for all people. For that neighbor that's been giving us a problem, Father, today there's been a change of heart attitude, my God. And we declare, my God, according to your word, that we'll begin to pray for them. And so tonight, we bring each and every one of them according to your word, my God. I thank you that as we begin to lift up our voices, there's a sound that is released from this place, my God, and it touches each and every one of them in the name of Jesus. I thank you that there's power in the sound that we release. I thank you that it is a prophetic sound in the name of Jesus. Father, we see that from the very beginning when there was nothing, all it took was for you to speak a word, my God. You did not imagine things coming to being, but your word tells us in Genesis, you said, let there be, and it was so. I declare, Father, this evening, Lord, that as we begin to lift up our voices and we begin to pray over each and every one of those names, Father, we declare over every name, over every person, we declare tonight, it is so. Father, whether they believe it, whether they accept it or not, but according to your word, we declare tonight, it is so. Father, Lord, we bring this name before you. We declare, Father, what is impossible with man is possible with you, my God. Father, what we couldn't do, Father. Father, we can't change them, but we know that you can, Lord. And so we want to thank you, Baba Kamen. In the name of Jesus, that is why we lift up today, Father, their names to you because we know that you do the impossible, my God. This is the anthem of Durban Christian Center that nothing is impossible with you, my God. And so, Father, we thank you for testimonies, Lord, that will come, my God, Father, from this church. People will come and say, hey, I don't know, but something has happened on the inside of me. They don't even know that tonight we are praying over them, Lord. But, Father, I thank you right now that something is happening, Lord. They will come running into this place. Oh, Father, we see them coming into this place, my God, like we heard, my God, when you spoke, my God, Father, to Abraham, you said, look to the north, look to the south, look to the west, look to the east. Everything that you can see, you can possess. Oh, Father, we lift up our eyes tonight. We look to the city of Durban. We look to the north. We look to the south. We look to the west. Father, we look to the east. We see them coming in tonight. We see them coming in tonight. We see them coming in. Hey, Father, we don't want to just pray, but not see the manifestation of your fruit. Father, we want to thank you that we see them, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because, Father, according to your word, Lord, it is your desire that all people be saved. But, Father, there's a condition that we see in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. And that is, if my people, that's the condition, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves like we are doing tonight. This is the promise that you've given to us, Lord. I will hear from heaven. Oh, Father, tonight, Father, there's, there's, a, there's an excitement that we have as we pray tonight. That we do not pray to a God who's deaf, but to a God who hears, Lord. Father, you said, I will hear from heaven and I will heal the land. I thank you that there's healing right now that's taking place in the hearts of each and every one of your children that we've written down here. Why? Because, Father, you are God who hears and you are God who acts according to your word. So, Father, tonight we thank you, we bless you, we give you all the glory, all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody says...